uh, have this opportunity to reach into your home. And, and I never take lightly these moments that we have to share with you. Uh, some might think that we have a different way of preparing for the midweek service as compared to the Sunday service or a large gathering service. No, no, no. It's actually the opposite. We exert the same amount of effort to be able to make sure that what we bring to you during the week, and even in our pastoral reflections that we have Monday through Friday, uh, we spend a lot of time to make sure that uh, we, we, we can bring to you a, a, a nugget of truth, uh, something that will speak to your situation and provide a moment of encouragement as you journey in the Lord. And th there's no secret today. This is the day after the major election here in the United States, and, and things are still uncertain, and they're still uh, fragile uh, but we're trusting the Lord that everything will work out just as, uh, as actually he wants because we've already done our due diligence and casted our votes, you and I, and, and after prayer and consideration and deliberation internally and examining our motives, we've done what our civic responsibility is. And, and so today now it's in the hands of our government to figure out uh, what the outcome of the decision of the people might be. But in the middle of all of that, in the middle of all of that, we know that we can trust the Lord, that whatever God determines, uh, we will adhere to because God is out to protect us and his justice will always, always prevail. Interestingly enough, I, I've prepared a sermon for today that kind of aligns itself to where we are as a country. And I titled this, um, the title of this preaching teaching. So please bear with me. You may want to get a pen or take notes or this is also recorded and will be archived, so you can reference to it later on if you need to. But I want to talk about not chosen, not chosen. Oftentimes, you hear sermons and teachings and uh, in conferences about being chosen. But I'd like to talk about the other side of that, and that is not chosen. And I've used as a passage uh, that will help us launch into our time today... The book of Acts, chapter 1, now you remember the power of the Holy This is a, tra a transitional book, by the way, uh, of the Bible. It's also a transitional chapter in many ways, which we won't get into tonight, Wednesday, but we can teach that later on in a class. But it's a transitional chapter because it is now the emergence of the church. It is now Christ already uh, ascended in the beginning of chapter 1 of the book of Acts, and then now we go to the end of chapter 1, verses 22 through 23, and we see now a transitioning happening, not just that the church has emerged, but also leadership is starting to emerge because Christ is now seated at the right hand of the Father. He had already ascended up to heaven, and now the church starts this new chapter with not Christ being the one leading them, but rather the Holy Spirit being the one leading them, starting then and up to this day that we're living today. Because we know today, although we say, because it's phrasing that we use, that uh, Christ is with us, he walks with us. In reality, Christ, biblically in reality, God is sitting at the right hand of the Father, and the Holy Spirit is with us. And it is there in chapter 1 where Christ teaches about the kingdom at the beginning of the chapter, and then he is caught up and, and go, goes to heaven, uh, uh, to be seated at the right hand of the Father. And it is there in the beginning of the book of Acts where Peter rises up to preach an incredible sermon. Thousands are reached, and the church begins. But now under the leading of the power of the Holy Spirit. Keep that in mind, 
because I'm going to submit to you today something you may not have heard before, but as you study a little deeper, you'll find the truth in what I'm going to say because I would never tell, use the pulpit to tell you something that I don't think it's true. But we're going to just to see that how in this moment of choosing, I submit to you now that the disciples may have missed the mark. And I think it's powerful because power of the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues, incredible stuff happening. And then all of a sudden they get to a moment of choosing someone. And I want to have you consider that they may have missed the mark. Look at, look at uh, the verses. I'll read them and then I'll start unpacking them to you. Verses 23, 24, 25, and 26, first uh, chapter of the book of Acts. So they nominated two men. Joseph called Barzabas, also known as Justice, and Matthias. Then they prayed, Lord, you know everyone's heart. Uh, let me stop there because I'm already starting to make the case. They did not say, Lord, help us know your heart. They prayed their agenda, Lord, you know our heart, right? So see already where there's a deviation before. The other place where you see a deviation is that they nominated. It's a drastic change from the way the Lord called the first apostles. He went and appointed them. Jesus appointed them. There was no election. So right there we can already start to see. But what happens, we get so enamored with the day of Pentecost, that we, we, we start to see there was a change in methodology. I'm going to get to that in a moment because I think that's going to help us understand about the not being chosen. Not being chosen doesn't mean, not, that doesn't mean being rejected. We'll, we'll get to that. So they nominated two men, jo Joseph called Barsabas, also known as Justice, and Matthias. Then they prayed, Lord, you know everyone's heart. Show us which of these two men you have chosen to take over the apostolic ministry, which Judas left to go where he belongs. And they were referring to Judas, the disciple that was the one that betrayed Jesus, uh, sold uh, Jesus with a kiss, and then later on as a consequence of being overwhelmed with guilt, we find in the New Testament that then he went and actually committed suicide. So he says, which Judas left to go where he belongs. Verse 26, then they cast lots and the lot fell on Matthias so they so he was added to the 11 apostles i already started talking about being appointed and being uh selected and being uh, uh nominated and i already spoke to you already about they were they were telling god about their heart not trying to seek god's heart but verse 26 tells us something very important too and that is that they cast lots and when we look back then, and even when we compare, because I know many, many believers have, have had problems with that, because lots back then was about divination. It really was a method to, for, for choosing that didn't align very well with the example that they saw in Jesus Christ. And so I, I want you to consider right now that quite filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, they, they were there the day of Pentecost. They might have missed the mark. But let me talk about the, these two characters, Joseph called Barsabas, also called Jude, Justice, and Matthias. Let me talk about Joseph first because these are, these are the two candidates. We find as we uncover in history, biblical history, that Joseph um, was a devout follower of Jesus from the very beginning. He was there from the start of Jesus' ministry all the way to the crucifixion and beyond because we find him here now still following after Jesus. 
I submit to you that Joseph was also, history tells us, uh, there in the upper room with the larger company of disciples as the power of the Holy Spirit came down. I, I'll tell you as well that, that he was qualified to be the one to replace Judas. His resume was impressive. <laughs> but don't you know that God doesn't really weigh resumes when it comes to who he chooses and who he appoints and who he places? That, that's a construct of the American corporate world of human resources in the USA. Send us your resume and we'll, we'll examine it. No, no, no. But he had an impressive resume. So if you look at that one from that perspective, you know, he, he was qualified to replace Judas. Yet, he was not chosen. When they cast lots, the lots did not fall on his behalf. But let me continue in my historic biblical history uh, examination of this guy, Joseph. Because, look, he was not chosen, but history shows us that he went on to become the bishop of a small village just uh, right nearby, a few miles away from the city of Hebron, this Joseph became a bishop of a small, tiny village that appeared to be insignificant. They said that there were maybe 10,000 people in that village, maybe. But the name of that city meant city of the free. City of the free. I think that's, that's not, you know, but in Scripture you're not going to find coincidences. It's just interesting, that fa facet. And, but that's com that comes from the biblical record. In fact, this city, called the city of the free, was small, appeared to be insignificant, but it was placed strategically in such a way that all commerce and all roads passed right by there. So it was the center of architecture, the center of commerce, the center of religion, the center of art, and the center of education. This little village that this, this disciple, Joseph of Barsabas, known as Justice, all of a sudden became the bishop. But he had been denied being chosen before. I think it seems like his destiny was not to be in a group of followers, but his destiny was to be the leader of followers. Because as a bishop, he was responsible for that whole region. But that we don't find in the record. But, but, but let me go a little bit further because they, they end, let's look at Matthias. Matthias is considered to be the forgotten apostle. If you look a little, you'll, you'll find. But it's interesting, uh, for reasons that we don't really know, Jesus did not choose Matthias in, in the original 12. He was present, but he wasn't chosen. All of a sudden, now the moment comes for him to be chosen through this system of being nominated and casting lots to then place him. But he was known throughout, throughout Scripture and throughout even extra-biblical history as the forgotten apostle. Nobody even thought about him. In fact, we don't even know very much about him. So in the first round of his leadership journey, Matthias was not chosen after replacing Judas. In fact, let me just tell you right now the history of poor Matthias. There is no information of what happened to him. We don't know. The Bible doesn't say. History, the extra-biblical history does not say. Yet, we find that he appears in this passage of Scripture of transition. And by the way, for those of you that study Scripture a little bit, a little bit here, let me just declare right now, Matthias is oftentimes confused with Matthew, the author of the gospel. They're not the same person. It's a different person. He became unknown, forgotten. Nobody knew him. In fact, why am I making this comparison? 
Why, why, what do we learn from these two characters as they're placed in the middle of this transitional book, of this transitional chapter, as the church is taking off? Well, let me tell you what I think we, we learn. We learn that not being chosen for one thing might very well free you up for something else. We learn that not being chosen rescues you from going into an ill-fitting assignment. Maybe you didn't fit. I, I think about David and his brothers and how he was being called. And, and oh, I think of also when Samson was confronted, the ill-fitting suit in trying to bring him down. Not being chosen might just be a matter of timing or perhaps of having to wait so that you can mature personally and be ready for the next task. Not being chosen is not about qualification. In fact, let me just tell you right now, God might have a surprise for you in the future. It's not about qualification. It really is that perhaps you weren't ready at that moment, but God is preparing a scenario where you are ready to be able to step into it. Maybe we should look at it this way, because what do we learn? Not being chosen is not rejection. In fact, it could be injection. It's not that God's re rejecting you. He's infusing you with additional anointing and potential and pathways to make you better than what you can be. Or rather than you are. To make you incredible. Not being chosen is not denial. Just delay. I, I, I can't help. When I wrote this, I thought about when I was journeying through the corporate world. And in 1974, actually, that I went... Uh, because in church, I, all of the jobs that I've had outside of church, uh, you know, in, when I was in, uh, before I became a full-time pastor, have always happened in church. Right after Sunday school, somebody told me, listen, there's a job. You may want to go everything that, that I've done. And that job was that way. Someone told me, uh, IBM is hiring. Why don't you go? And I went. I called, made an appointment, and went. And when I went there, dressed up, everything nice, crispy white shirt, suit, all that stuff, and um, practice my interviewing, and then they interviewed me. I blew away the interview, of course, but then I'm not an engineer, so they gave me uh, an engineer's test, technical, mechanical test. And when I took the test, I failed it, failed it badly because I'm not an engineer. So I remember the guy that was uh, trying to hire me. He looked like he wanted to hire me. He looks at me. He says, you know what? Um, you did very well in the interview and blah, 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 blah. You present well. You speak well. All that stuff. He says, but I can't hire you because you failed the, uh, the, uh, the mechanical engineering test. So I was all right with that because I, I knew I wasn't an engineer, so I'm not going to go to an ill-fitting situation if I didn't know. So I said, well, thank you very much, sir. I, I even remember his name. Sir, thank you very much. Um, I appreciate it. And then as I'm getting ready to leave, he said, but, 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 but wait a minute, wait a minute. And I said, okay, what, what, what is this guy going to tell me? He says, here's a book. Take it home and study it. And then come back in two weeks. I'm going to have an appointment with you in two weeks and retake the test. Because at that point, I wasn't ready. But let me tell you something. Those that know me know that I know how to research. And I can learn something simply by reading it through and then examining and then practicing and practicing and practicing. And for the next two weeks, not only did I read the material and practice it and practice it, but I had a friend of mine who happened to be had engineering skills and had gone through all this training through the technical training that was necessary. And I spent time with him and showing me. And when I went to take the test again two weeks later, because the first time I was not chosen, but the second time now I came prepared, not just prepared with the material, but more, a bit more mature 
And I walk in there. I, I take the test. The guy tells me the following. He says, well, you didn't do too much better, but at least you passed it so I can hire you. That's the way it works out sometimes in life. That our best efforts in one area may not be recognized at the moment because we really aren't ready. And we would make a mess. But the Lord will allow to open a door so that we can be prepared and have a return, if you will. Because not chosen is not denial. It can just very well be delay. We learn from this comparative also that not chosen might result in a personal development lesson and not a publicly displayed lashing. <laughs> and what I mean by that is imagine having to fulfill a responsibility that you don't know anything about, that you don't have the skills, the ability, nor the temperament to do. What will happen is instead of developing personally that lesson, you, ended up, you end up getting reprimanded uh, publicly for your incompetence. But let me get to the next area that I want to get to, and then I'll lead to my closing and prayer on this not chosen. If you think about it for a moment, where did they get the idea of 12 disciples? There was nothing that was uh, demanding this requirement that it had to be 12. And I know, I know, I know what the, they wanted to emulate the 12 tribes of Israel. That's cool, and that's exactly right. That's what they wanted to do. But they wanted to do that because that's what they were used to. There was no requirement to have 12. In fact, if you think about developing a team, you want to be able to have a theme that doesn't end with an even number, that ends with an odd number, because with an even number, you cannot break a tie when you're making a decision. That's why the Supreme Court has nine justices. Because if it had 10, it could be deadlocked. But when you have nine, it is easier not to have a, a blockage of whatever legislation they're working on. So if you think about logically, the only reason they had 12 was because of that reason I just mentioned, that it was emulating or mirroring the 12 tribes of Israel. That tradition is what dictated that they have 12. Jesus would select it, but there's nothing in his writings, as you read, that required them to have a 12. It was more a traditional thing. In fact, it was cultural. 12 tribes of Israel... We need to have 12 disciples with us. Nothing that God, Jehovah God had said or God the Creator had said, you have to do it this way. But, but, but think of it for a moment. Uh, perhaps in the follow, uh, they were following this cultural and religious tradition of the past. That has to be considered because the casting of lots was something that they did back there in the culture. So it stands to reason to me, as I critically look at the text, because sometimes you have to wrestle with the text. This is not an issue of salvation or not salvation. I'm talking about here about leadership development. I'm talking about here some people living with guilt in their life because they feel they've been cast aside and, and, uh, and not chosen for a situation. Listen to what I'm going to say for a moment. Twelve and casting lots was how it was done culturally and religiously. It was actually a methodology of the past that the disciples here were trying to place into the present. In the past, Jesus selected disciples. Now they were appointing. In the past, there was no election done. Jesus went in and based on what he, in his form of deity, was able to discern the gifting of an individual or the way they were going to play out their gifting or their abilities in the spreading of the gospel, he would move forward and appoint. 
And then the issue, I'm returning to it again, of casting lots, that is not the way Jesus did it. We need to be careful, and this is the warning, we need to be careful with using the past for the present. Maybe the things of the past need to be looked as that, wonderful things that worked in the past. But today, they may not work. And I'm I'm pushing back on methodology. I'm not pushing back on doctrine nor theology. I'm pushing back on methodology. What happened here and what you're seeing here is not theological. It's a method that they used. Why am I saying that? Because the adding of the 12 disciples didn't amount to anything in the spreading of the gospel. So if the plan of the book of Acts, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit and the writings of Luke, was to be able to give us a template for the spreading of the gospel, what we see here is something that was not even helpful in accomplishing that mission. I hope you're getting what I'm saying. It's not that I'm rewriting the text. It's not that I'm saying this has to be eliminated. No, 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 no. I think it has to stay, but let it be for us a template that we can look at to learn. Uh, Sometimes we try to push a democratic system in, in things that are spiritual. And I believe that that's very helpful in, in the general sense. But there are just things that God tells a leader should be done. And you move forward in confidence, knowing for sure that it is God. And you do. And oftentimes we take things of the past. We take, take cultural things and even religious traditions of the past that worked at some point and had functioned at some point. But now as God is doing something new, and I believe God is doing something new. And, and, and why is this important now, church? Because we are right now at the, at, at the cusp of starting all over again. This COVID-19 is going to end. I mean, yes, we're in this wave now where the numbers keep going up. And right now we're distracted because of the elections. But, it, the, the situation is, but it's not going to be here forever. And the mistake that we can make in moving forward is go back to what everybody's been saying. I can't wait till we go back to normal. No, we're going to go back to a new normal. We're going to have to look at new ways to do it. Who would have thought that we would be having our, our church buildings closed and having to, to teach and preach and sing and worship through technology? These are new things that we've never done before. And we have to keep in mind that the things of the past perhaps don't have a place any longer of what we're going to do in the future, including choosing and not choosing individuals. I think we've made a mistake uh, that we think that, uh, uh, that, that, that if we're not chosen, that we're not called. No, 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 no. God's plan is to shape you and shape me and shape us into his liking so that his mission and his plan will be fulfilled. This passage also teaches me once again that perhaps, just perhaps, we've been praying wrong. We've been saying, Lord, yes, but whatever you want, but as they did very carefully here, Lord, you know our hearts. Do what our hearts want. That is not prayer. If you're seeking the will of God, you go to the altar of brokenness and you throw yourself there and you say, Lord, teach me to become an expert in obedience that I'll do whatever it is that you want regardless of my agenda. That's prayer. That's intercession. And we've heard prayers rising up today. Lord, protect this one, but get, take, make sure that one pays what, they, what they're doing. No, 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 no. We have to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. We have to pray, Lord, let us hear your heart. Let us hear your voice. Let us follow your leading and not our own. When we do that, 
I believe that our tomorrow is filled with incredible hope and unbelievable possibilities. Not chosen doesn't mean disqualified. Not chosen doesn't mean not called of God. It just means hold on. And we're not good at being patient. We're just not good. Right now, there's a rush right now. We have to find out who won the election. And people are, you know, taking extra high blood pressure pills because we don't know, we don't know, we don't know. There's a system in place to do that. It'll take a few days. It always is like this. We think that this is the first time in a presidential election that we have to wait a few days to get the, the final tally. And even when that's gone, we, we wouldn't even know who the official candidate is until the Electoral College gets together in two weeks and then decides that. But we want to know. We want to know right, 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 right away. I heard the call of God. It's now. It's now. Chill out. Take it easy. God has a plan. And we have to be part of spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ, of the business of the kingdom of God, not the business of culture and society that we live in. Let us pray. Father, I thank you for this time that you give me to share this teaching, this preaching, Lord, from the passage of Scripture we've considered today. Lord, perhaps it's new for some to look at it this way, but Father, in my view, it's pretty clear, and we just have to, Lord, help our brothers and sisters understand and unpack the text today. So I pray, Lord, for those men and women that have, feel, feel, that have felt forgotten, cast aside, that perhaps they feel that their season is over. I pray, Lord, encouragement over their lives today through the use of this passage. That doesn't mean that, Lord, we're not valuable in the kingdom. No, it just means that we ha the timing is not here. We repent, Lord, and forgive us for trying to insert old methodologies to do the new thing that you're doing, pouring wine into the old uh, wineskins, Lord. Help us that we might be able to realize that you're doing a new thing. The gospel's not changing. The message is not changing. The altar of repentance is not changing. But the way we've treated individuals, Lord, certainly has to be looked at again. Help us to resist that inclination to just pull out off the shelf of the past things that worked then that today will not work. When we do that, Lord, we're demonstrating true, true trust in you. We're demonstrating, Lord, that we're allowing the Holy Spirit to move in our lives for the sake of building your kingdom. I thank you, Lord, as I pray for my brothers and sisters. That brother, that sister, that person that, Lord, has felt disconnected for so long. Let this night be the night when they find their way back, when they guide themselves back, Lord, to that place of purpose and of promise as we look at, at the incredible possibilities that are ahead. I pray your blessing over your people in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. God is so good, so good, so good, so good. Hallelujah. want to remind you of our pastoral reflections every day.